Today we continue in our Romans series, the book of Romans. Been in it for some time. First three weeks we looked at several verses talking about really how we enter faith, how we enter grace, how we enter salvation, saved, become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Primarily talking about how we are justified by faith in Christ and Christ alone. And we also now have moved into Romans chapter 12 particularly. Now, we'd love to have everybody read the entire book with us. If you've not done it yet, you can still catch up. It's not a hard book to read, about 16 chapters of the book. So uh, join us in catching up. You can also connect through GPS study guide that we do, either online by signing up for it. Uh, your registration form, you do that any week. Uh, you can also can get hard copies as you leave to join us in entirely reading with us. Uh, the message series, and you can catch up with that also online by going to our past Sundays and weekends to be part of our entire... We want everybody to have done Romans together when we're finished. That's why I'm spending time talking about that today. But the sermon title today is, Who Am I? Who Am I? Romans 12, 3 through 8. You heard those verses read here a little while ago. And I thought to kind of disconnect in a humorous way with that, uh, that I would go online and do a couple of those surveys you do that tell you who you, were, who you are. You may, may or may not have seen those, but you can find out what character you are from what television show or a movie or what musician you are, just kind of funny things. And I did three of those to see who I am from the perspective of those silly surveys and uh, was surprised really in all three categories. But first I wanted to find out uh, what Gilligan's Island character I am. <laughs> so I pulled that survey up, about 10 questions that I am asked. When I'm finished with the questions and you press a button and it tells you who you are, this is who it said that I am according to that survey. I'm the professor. <laughs> so, if you need, so if you need a car made with coconuts, I can do that according to that survey. So there could have been worse. I could have turned out to be Ginger or somebody like that. So I'm, that's better that I'm, I'm the professor. Well, I also did one on what Bible character I might be. You know, I'm a preacher. But, you know, maybe I'll be Paul. Uh, I'll turn out to be uh, the Apostle Peter, maybe Philip or, or Barnabas. I like the Barnabas character. Well, after I finished that survey, here's who it popped up when I pressed the button. That's Ruth. <laughs> Ruth in the Old Testament. Now, I, I thought, now, that's not really exactly what I expected. And, and, and when I read about Ruth, well, she left her homeland, entered a new land, uh, accepted the embrace of faith of, of, of those around her there and in the case of her, of her mother-in-law. And she was supportive and loyal and faithful and good and, and really a, a courageous person. So, oh, I'm, okay, that's better than I thought. And then I explored it further and discovered that that particular survey was only for women Bible characters. So uh, <laughs> I was taking a woman's survey, just didn't read all the instructions, which which I've been known to do. My wife is laughing as I say that because I never read all the instructions. It better have a picture. That's what I'm going to use to put things together. Well, the third one was from the movie Frozen. And uh, you probably have heard that, let it go, let it go, let it go. And I won't sing that for you. Uh, but Frozen, and again, maybe I'll be the king. Uh, the young man who rescues the damsel in distress. There were many characters I could have been. Maybe even the father. He, he dies, but he's a good man. But no, that's not who I get. Here's who I am, according to that survey. 
I said, of all the people, I'm Olaf. For those who know who Olaf is. Now, now again, I read about who Olaf is. He, he, he would melt for those that he loves. He would sacrifice himself for those. He would die for those he is loyal to. So, uh, and he's supportive and he's loyal and he's faithful. He's there to the very end. He's in the thick of things all the way through. So, okay, not as bad as I thought. It's more the picture than it is. And I let our sound people pick out the picture. They could have picked another one other than that, but that's the one they picked out for you. Okay, who am I? Good, they took the picture off. Uh, who are you? Who are we? Now, you may think, well, what does that mean? Who am I? But who we are and who we know we are defines our lives. The choices we make, how we live, and what we do is defined by who we are and who we think we are. It is a hugely important question to answer. Many people have no idea who they are. The book of Romans has laid that out in a very simple way leading to today's message. It says that we're justified by faith in God, in Christ, God's wonderful grace. We are saved by God's work for us. It mentions that we are to surrender ourselves to God, offering our bodies as a living sacrifice, which is living for God. And it says we are to be transformed and not conformed, that we grow to become disciples, which is a follower of Christ in that relationship, that walking with God, and the teaching that he does to, for us, that we learn how to live his way. So who am I? We define ourselves all kind of ways. We might say, well, uh, I'm uh, from the U.S., and that's how I know who I am. Some others in our church could say, I'm from Africa. We have Africans who belong to our church. We have folks in our church from England, uh, from Canada, from Mexico, uh, from Pakistan, from India in this church family. Uh, We can all say, that's how I know who I am. And that is an important concept where we have our loyalties to nationally. That's part of who we are. We could say, well, I'm also, I'm a Midwesterner. Uh, I'm from New England. Uh, I'm from the West Coast. Uh, I'm from Texas. And that's how we understand ourselves in those ways. We could say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a man. I'm a, I'm a woman. I'm, 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 I'm married. I'm, I'm single. You know, I, I'm Jew or, or Gentile. These are words also the Bible uses. We could say all those things. I'm black. I'm white. I'm brown. These are ways we understand ourselves. Well, who am I? Galatians 3.28. And Galatians, by the way, is a Cliff Notes version of the book of Romans. It is a synopsis really of that. If you want to read Romans really fast, go to Galatians. Only a few chapters there, but it says much of the same thing in a quicker way. Well, it says there in Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ. So there we have a picture of identity around being in together Christ, which brings us all together. And understanding about, again, who I am, my identity. We might also say, and probably do, and you may have said it in your life, you may say, well, you know, I'm only human. Have you ever said that? Have you ever heard it said? What does it mean to say I'm only human? We are saying which means I mess up, I make mistakes, I fall short, I sin, I'm not enough. I know that about me. I'm only human, which means literally to me 
I am defined, we're talking about who we are, our identity, I am defined by my need. I'm not really independent. I'm defined by my need. I need God. I need people. I need everything. I am not independent. And we are reminded of that as I am every morning when we get up. I am only human. What is my identity? Who am I really? And how do I connect with Christ and my faith in that journey of finding out who I am? When I get up in the morning, I typically do nothing profound. Now I am, I have a master of divinity, I uh, I, uh, am a Methodist pastor, I'm a reverend, Uh, I could go on about who I might see myself as, but in reality, in the morning when I get up, I do nothing profound, who does? There's a mandatory first pit stop, there's brushing the film off my teeth, like you don't do that, there's rubbing the sleep out of my eyes, not necessarily in that order in the morning. There's walking gingerly till my knees warm up, my back warms up, uh, my ankles warm up, my body warms up. Now, you may not have that issue, but I do. I got to let that go slow, and I'll speed up as the morning goes on when the pain slowly goes away. I scrape my face. That's called shaving. Uh, Most mornings, not on my day off, thank you very much, but every other day I scrape my face. You know, again, nothing profound happens in the morning. I'm only human. My brother told me uh, uh, about a year and a half ago, two years ago, that he was getting ready for church in the morning, and he was shaving, and he cut his lip. And so he goes to, uh, to church, and somewhere while preaching, it begins to bleed, He said, not a little bit. It was bleeding a lot. I thought I was going to bleed to death while I'm trying to preach. And so I ended up preaching with a napkin on my mouth, going like this, trying to get the sermon done to survive that morning. Who knows what I said? I don't remember. We are only human, as we say. Uh, Then I get up, and I make sure I have the proper clothing on. I go in my very dark closet. We can't put enough light in there. And often I come out with an epic fail. I thought this was blue, but it's black. And, and my wife says, it doesn't match that. I said, why not? She says, it just doesn't match. Okay, it doesn't match. So I got to go back in and try it again. You've been there. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, I have my morning oatmeal, which is, uh, includes raisins, walnuts. I have my half-cap cup of coffee. And then I take my uh, morning, please, please don't have another heart attack, small aspirin. I do that every day. That's my story. I check the news. It is occasionally disappointing. Most often it's disappointing in the morning. And, and then I might get a prayer off if I can find time to go to the porch or sit down somewhere. And some days I have that, again, an epic fail where I'm in my car and my car keys are going on. And, and, oh, oh, God bless this day. Make it better than yesterday, please, and and off I go. Now, nothing profound is happening there. After all, I'm only human. Take a look at yourself. Take a look at myself, how human we are. And Romans remind us, the book of Romans remind us again and again and again. Hear me now. It's about God's love. It's about God's mercy. It's about God's grace. It's about God's wisdom. It's about God's power. It's about God's saving work in the people that he loves. We celebrate more than anything else that we are gods. We are the children of everlasting God. We are defined this way. Now I want to look at Romans 12, 3, one verse of the chapter you heard read a while ago. And I want you to think about it in the context of who am I, who are we? Put that up, please, Romans 12, 3. Uh, For by the grace given to me, the Apostle Paul writes, I say to every one of you, 
do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. I want to keep that up there for a while. Uh, The Bible teaches, and here it teaches again, we all have a measure of faith. not saying that one has more faith than the less. That's not what it means. It means God has given you a measure of faith, and a measure measure is really quite a bit of materials. uh, It's part of a bushel, and it's a large amount. He's given you that. You have that, so we have that. Uh, Then he says, in this, don't think of yourself as more than you really are. To me, that means that we each stand only, hear me now, we stand only in the mercy of God. We breathe, we live, we are created, we are saved, we face a future by God's mercy. I'm only human. I am defined by my need. I need God, and God's come to me in Jesus Christ. Thank you very much, Lord, for doing that for me. So in the beginning, that's a picture, a kind of a snapshot of, okay, who am I as I journey to understand that through my faith in God and God's love for me? Now, there are three questions I want to look at in light of what I've already said in this message today. Take the picture, those scripture verses off now. Uh, Three questions. Uh, They're actually from Chip Ingram's book. Uh, that I've mentioned before in this series. I've rephrased them somewhat, but they really generally follow the guidelines of his Romans 12 study, which he wrote an entire book about. And the first one is this, who am I? And that is discovering identity. I've already kind of talked to us about how important that is. It defines what we do, Uh, how we live, who we are, by knowing who we are. So it's an important thing to have an identity. Now, growing up uh, as an identical twin, if you're visiting our church today, you may not know that I have an identical twin brother named Steve. Uh, We fought for our own personal identity. When you have someone exactly like you, that's really hard to do. Uh, exactly alike, uh, the same kind of personality, you look just alike, people see you as interchangeable. You're just the same. You're the twins. You're the boys. You're one of those two twi- those guys. You know, that's who you are. We were like that at home. In fact, on our, on our ACT test we took in high school, our senior year, uh, it's divided up about eight, but around eight different categories, you know, like 20 to 30 to 35, depending on what your score is. Our scores on history and science and math all were exact. We were one point different on one of the scores. We were exactly the same. Look like the same test. You can't really deny you're a lot alike when that happens, but we, we want to our own identity. And so we decided our senior year, I said, Steve, I'm going to join the Navy. And he said, I'm going to go to college. We're going to go two different worlds and create our own, discover our own unique self. So that's what we did. And so I go through a year of Navy, find myself stationed in Albany, Georgia. Uh, and there I'm working with a squadron there. Uh, and I'm standing in line at the, at the galley waiting for uh, the meal, for lunch. And behind me is a friend named Dave. And then behind him, my brother walks up. Albany, what, what are the odds of that? And there he is. And my friend taps me on the shoulder and says, man, the guy behind me looks just like you. <laughs> and I turned around, and I know Donnie's laughing about that, if it, but I turn around, and I said, I've never seen him before in my life. 
And, and he had joined the Navy after he dropped out of college. And I thought, okay, he could have joined the Marine Corps. He could have joined the Coast Guard, the Air Force. There are many, many choices. You know, he could have joined, he could have joined the Army. He could have joined the French Foreign Legion. Sonny told me that once. I'm giving Sonny credit for that one. He could have done that, but no, he joins the, the Navy. And we were there together for six months, and we didn't talk for six months that whole time because we were mad at each other. I was mad at him more than he was mad at me. But the idea was we're looking for our own identity. Who are we? We don't know who we are until we surrender to Christ. I recognize my need, God. I confess my sin. I want to belong to you. And we surrender our will to the will of Jesus Christ. And there we say, so now I know who I am. I belong to God. That's who I am. Uh, my brother and I talk two or three times a week now, do all the time. And so we often have conversations. We share they both being Methodist pastors, as most of you know, uh, share family concerns. He has a lot of kids and grandkids. So we enjoy talking together two or three times a week, pretty much every week, you know. But we know who we are. We're not the twins. We belong to God, and we're fine being twins today. Well, number two, where do I belong? Where do I belong? Discovering security. We are wired to find security, uh, yet insecurity is often how people live. Our story often defines how we feel about life and creates within us and for us insecurity. And so we act out insecurity in our relationships and how we feel about ourselves and our own emotion, emotional state we experience, how we treat others. And most folks, I think, are insecure because of their story. And their story needs to change. They need a new story. A new story needs to be written that God can write for them. Uh, I grew up in a military family, as many of you know as well. And so we moved a lot. Moved often in the middle of the year, which is difficult for kids to do. It's bad enough in the summertime, but the middle of the year is really especially tough. They're moving when I was uh, in the third grade, around 10 years old, uh, from Texas to Biloxi, Mississippi. And so that's where we arrived in the middle of the year. Uh, I found myself walking down the hallways to my class at West End Elementary School there in Biloxi. When I walked into the class, you know how it goes. Uh, you've already had to go register and talk to everybody. So you walk into school, it's already going on. Everybody looks at you, and you're hoping nobody sees you. And you just want to find a place to sit, you know, and hope it survives that day. And my teacher said, what's your name? I wish they didn't know I was there, but I had to tell them, my name is Mike. I remember this very clearly. And she said, we already have too many Mikes in this class. <laughs> you're going to have to go by another name. Uh, and I said, well, I don't have any nicknames. She said, what's your middle name? I like my middle name now, but then I didn't. My middle name is Edward. So she said, you're going to be Edward in this class. And then we go to Spanish class that same day, and there they give me a name tag that's as big as a car as far as I'm concerned, and on the name tag it says Eduardo. Okay, now can you say the word insecurity? That's my story. Now, I went to uh, junior high school in the first half of high school in Japan. 
In my sophomore year, we came back to San Angelo, Texas at the age of 15, again in the middle of the school year. The only way I can say this is my brother and I thought we had moved to in that school, which we now appreciate more than we did then, we we called it Cowboy Hell. That's what we thought we were in the middle of. And so our job was to isolate ourselves from all that was around us and survive the next two years. Can you say again, insecurity, introversion, isolation, and how we and I was defined because of that story that I lived out till I joined the military myself. Now, what's your story? I could have you come up here and say, let me tell you your story. You tell your story. Tell your, you have a story to tell. Now, yet how are you, does your story tell you, am I that kid, you know, that third grader, you know, who's embarrassed by being called Eduardo? If I was embarrassed, I I wouldn't tell you that was my middle name. But today we must understand, no, our story is a story enrolled in the good news of God's love for us in Jesus Christ, acceptance by God of us, and how we understand that, understand our connection with who I am who we are, what we're about, and how we connect with who we live in. I remember 20 years old, 21 years old, in the military going to church for the first time as an individual person, not with my mom and dad and brothers and sisters, just me walking into church. And, and at first it's kind of a little eerie, then, then you begin to realize, you know, these people love me and learn to love them. And you begin having that place and that, that connection, uh, that, that security that others give you in those relationships. Life being built around that. Certainly family was going to come. Met my wife in church not long after that. Then, and then we begin having kids, and, and then we begin serving God in the church in all kinds of ways, but that's how I understand myself who I am. And in verse 5 in this Romans chapter, it says this. Hear me now when you talk about security. It says in verse 5, we belong to each other. We belong to each other. Who am I? Well, we say I am, my identity is because of my relationship with Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. Who am I? Who am I? It's my connections. I I belong to you. You belong to me. We belong to each other. And if you're blessed to have a family as I am, I belong to my family. And I I love that connection. I love belonging to you and my friendships and my church family. I belong to you. And, And that's understanding. That's where we find our security and why it's so difficult to find security in our nation because of moving and transferring and jumping around and, and, and culture breaking up and community breaking up and, and, and everything being so fractured and so difficult to really tie into anything. And so when you find community, you're finding a place where I, I, I belong to these people and there's security in belonging to these people. I didn't feel like I belonged to that third grade class at Weston Elementary School. I didn't feel like I belonged to that school there in West Texas. It was so different than anything I'm familiar with, and I didn't understand all the rules and regulations for living in that school in my own experience. But, but now we say, who do I belong to? I belong to you. You belong to me. Where do I belong? There we find security. Well, number three. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? Discovering significance. Boy, we want significance. We want to have value. We want to be worth something. We want to have a reason and a meaning and a purpose. And where does that come from? Well, God is the one that wired you and me to be that way. 
He put that in our very soul to want that kind of life, to move in that direction, to explore that story being written in a new way by our encounter with God, our Creator, and where that goes in our life. So we talk about our stories. I moved from uh, there being in the military of my wife and, uh, and then went to Bible college to be a minister. I didn't have any idea what that was going to look like though at that time. Uh, we did things in the church, mostly with children's ministries on occasion, bus ministries on occasion. Uh, did some uh, visiting some of the older folks there in the community. We did that as well. But I hadn't done anything else when I really graduated from college. I had no idea what I was going to do. Uh, but I made my way uh, on vacation to see my mom and dad in Brownwood, Texas. And there, while I was there for a couple weeks with, my, with Ron at that time, we had, I think we had two, we had two kids at that time uh, there. Uh, I was, my mom and dad asked me to go teach uh, there what they called share group, which was simply a small home group. So I went to the house of Tom and Muff Yantis, who were leading that. Uh, and, and I said, okay, I'll teach this class. I had never taught adults before. I didn't know that I could even do that. You never know you can do something until you do it. And that's, there's a lot of truth in that. Don't define yourself of what you have and haven't done. Define yourself of what you can and could do. That's where God's always leading to rewrite our story. And so I found myself in that small group. And there I opened the Bible up and, and began teaching the Bible verse by verse there for that small group. And I realized there in that hour together, I thought, you know, this is it. This is where I'm discovering significance that I hadn't had in, any, in, in a real way in that respect until right then. This is where God's at work in my life. And so, so I, that led me eventually to where I am today in ministry and life and mission in the church. As we find that willing moment to say yes to something new, and there we discover significance we never knew we had, something that God can't just say you're significant. He can give you security by His grace of Christ. He can tell you who you are by Jesus in your heart, but significance comes because the meaning and purpose of life that we live out as we deal with the family and friendships and workplace and world and church and all the layers that is for you and me and each one of us is different. But there it's about purpose. There it's about meaning. There's about personal value by how God uses me in my life. And God wants to use everyone to serve the world we live in. The verse here, the verses here say it this way. If your gift is service, then devote yourself to it. If your gift is teaching, devote yourself to teaching. If your gift is is encouragement, devote yourself to encouraging. The one giving, if that's your gift, then do it with no strings attached. The leader should lead with passion. The one showing mercy, be devoted to showing mercy. We divide up the significance in simply ideas that God gives us about how life can be lived in a way distinctively different than, well, I don't like being called Eduardo, I'm not talking or, you know, these stories that often define who we are in the present are being introverted and isolated because of bad experiences or finding us insecure because of past addictions or failures and mistakes that somehow tell us who we are still today because we've listened to the wrong voices instead of the voice of God in Christ who says something different, who says, here's who you are, who says, here is my security, who says, let me show you what significant living is about. And how life stories changed by that, which is central to Romans and central to Romans chapter 12, as we clearly define today. Justified by faith in Christ, God's gift to you and me. 
Surrendering to God, living a life, living for God. Uh, who am I? A child of God in good standing because I choose to live in God's mercy. As I come to God, I'm only human. I know who I am. I need you. I accept that you come in my life and bless me according to that need, and life changes accordingly. And that's a, a key part of the Roman study I want to share with you today. Will you bow with me in prayer, please? Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you again for the grace you give us, the blessing that you give us, the offering you give us. We accept this. You know us well, God. You know that many of us deal with insecurities in life. Our story is brought to play a life we not really want the way it's defined today. Many of us still look after all these years for significance. We don't know what that is. What is our value? What is our meaning? What is our purpose? We are still there, so many of us. And many of us, God, still have no idea who we are. We could tell you, oh, yes, we're, we're from this country, from, we're Americans, or we could tell you what color we are, we could, we could tell you what language we speak, or we could tell you that we're cowboy fans or ranger fans, but, but God, we can't say anything about who we really are deep down. God, tell us who we are. We might be able to have our life defined by that truth you give us in Christ. So we pray in his name. Amen.